Well, hello, uh, special human beings. Uh, do demons exist? And uh, if they do, and we can make a rational claim for it, then demons might just be some really good evidence for God's existence. And I'll explain that in a moment. How do we distinguish uh, between mental disorders and demon possession? This is Mac speaking. It is wonderful to have you on this episode. And this is where we talk about uh, all things related to finding God and the existence of God. And uh, this is a podcast dealing with the greatest objections to belief in God. This is the podcast where we talk about reasonable ideas that proves that God exists. I need to uh, repent today because uh, I said in my last podcast that I was going to be uh, doing a podcast on Dynamo uh, in this episode, but I'm not going to do that. Uh, I need to give that a skip. And uh, I was hoping the the last two weeks that I was going to be able to do some research into Dynamo. Uh, Those of you who don't know who Dynamo is, Dynamo is this guy who's like a brilliant magician. He just does stuff that, I mean, he levitates and and he does things like that. It's like, it's, it's mind-blowing, and I've got a friend who actually went to one of his shows in Joburg, and, and he says it was phenomenal, but still, he wasn't, you know, he didn't really believe everything, but it is phenomenal, some of the things that he could do. So, um, the reason why I'm not going to do a, a podcast on it is because this podcast is about facts and, and, and about truth, and I was hoping that as I researched Dynamo, I was going to find out um, that he's just a magician, that everything he does is just about sleight of hand. It's just the skill of deceiving people. Um, or I'm going to find the opposite, that he is involved with demons, and demons are giving him this ability. Something supernatural is giving him the ability to perform the feats that, that he is doing, and to perform the magic that he that he is doing. And this, the difficult part is this, is that you can't really find out the truth. Unless I could sit down with this guy and have a conversation with him and say to him, Bruce, just just be honest with me, man. Is this demon possession or magic? Even if I did sit down with him like that, he wouldn't be able to tell me. Um, so th- these these magicians, they keep it a mystery. Okay, Most magicians out there, out there say, no, man, it's got nothing to do with the supernatural. It's just sleight of hand and, and things like that. And then there are a, a minority of people out there that would say, look, hey, this is the work of demons, etc., but since I can't find out exactly what it is, it doesn't help really talking about it because I'm just going to talk nonsense and I don't want to do that. Uh, so instead today, yes, we're going to talk about demons and the question is why then demons? Now, I made a bold statement in the previous uh, podcast that demonic activity could be evidence for God. And and you might be wondering, but what does demons have to do with God? Uh, uh, I, I want you to bear in mind that I've got atheism in mind and atheism really submits to two philosophies or two worldviews that are sort of hard to distinguish from each other. The first is naturalism and the second is materialism and so they, they, they link up. So naturalism is basically the idea that atheists hold on to that nothing exists outside of nature. Nothing exists outside of nature. Materialism is the, is the idea that um, nothing exists outside of matter. And so it's almost the sort of the, the same thing. Now, if demons exist... They are outside of nature. They are supernatural, uh, right? And if demons exist, they are not made of matter. So they are outside of matter. So if there's evidence that demons exist, then it it crumbles the foundation of atheism because it proves that nature is not all there is and matter is not all there is. Okay? 
I hope that you 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 understand that. So so if, if demons exist, they debunk the philosophy of naturalism. Um, they prove that there's a spiritual realm. They prove that there is something supernatural in the world. They and they also prove evil. And if the spiritual realm then exists and the supernatural exists, then it is not re unreasonable at all to believe that God exists. Okay, so do you see how the the possible evidence of demons can shed light and give evidence for the existence of God? And also, if there's an evil spiritual realm, then it's very, very likely that there's a good spiritual realm. Right? You get it? Okay, so let's talk about it. So I did a podcast uh, two weeks ago, uh, the, the one on, on Satan, and uh, I thought it's just a good idea to give some background because there's a lot of people confused about Satan. A lot of Christians ask questions about why God created Satan, and, and there's a lot of people out there in the world that don't believe in Christianity that also have questions about Satan and where this guy comes from. And I thought it's good to just give a biblical um, perspective of why this character exists, where he came from, and why uh, he is part of God's story. So you can go listen to that in, in your own time. But also in that podcast, I did speak briefly about demon possession and that it is evil uh, or it's evidence for evil forces, for supernatural forces. Uh, it's evidence for a spiritual realm outside the natural realm that we can observe. And, and I, I received this call from a good old friend. He's like a legend and uh, I haven't heard from him in a while. And it was just great hearing from him. Uh, he disappeared like from the face of the earth. I actually thought he's dead. Couldn't get a hold of him on Facebook. Couldn't get all of him on a cell phone. And he just he just recently made his appearance. And he went and listened to that specific podcast. And he decided he's going to challenge me on that. And so we had a discussion on that, st that stimulated me into the position of doing this podcast here for today. So he's a Christian. And... Um, he doesn't really believe that that demon possession still exists today. And uh, when I speak to him, it seems like it it seems like he he even he even struggles to believe that demon possession existed in the first century. Um, and this is a popular idea. And the reason why this is a popular idea and why many people struggle to believe in demons is because they actually, without knowing it, they're holding on to a naturalistic worldview and a materialistic worldview. If I can't touch it, it doesn't exist. If it's not in nature and cannot be proven by science, then it doesn't exist. And so I thought, okay, there's a lot of stuff to talk about here. Uh, let's, you know, do a podcast on it. And so he, he basically had two claims and I want to just use our discussion to sort of guide us in a direction and, and give all of us out there some information. So he had two claims. And the one claim was this, that demon possession ended with Jesus on the cross. And this really is a, a statement for, um, for those of us who are Christians. I remember that at one time I also used to use this argument. Um, I used to preach the idea that uh, demons exist, but they no longer um, have, can have possession of people. When Jesus died on the cross, he basically um, annihilated them, took away their power, and so they're pretty useless and can do nothing. Now, I wanted this to be true. I wanted it to be true that demon possession no longer happens, okay? Um, because I don't like the idea of people being possessed by demons. Um, I mean, if, if a demon possessed person stands in front of me, I really don't know what I'll do if I will even be able to uh, recognize that. So um, maybe I have. And, and I think that I recently have. I, I think there's a person in, in my life that I'm aware of that, that I think is possibly possessed by a demon. How to handle that yet? I, I don't know. I'm not an exorcist. Uh, maybe we need to go read up on that. Um, 
but because I feel uncomfortable with it, I have found ways to try and say that it doesn't exist. And I've looked for scriptures in the Bible to sort of say that it they don't exist, that or not that they don't exist, that demon possession doesn't exist. And the text I used, and this is the same text this, this friend of mine used, this Colossians 2 verse 15. Well, I'm going to read from verse 13. When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your sinful nature, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins, having canceled the written code with its regulations that was against us and that stood opposed to us. He took it away, nailing it to the cross, verse 15, and having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. And this this seems to indicate that. It seems to indicate that. Um, you know, Jesus, verse 15, disarmed the powers and the authorities. But the truth is, when I actually didn't read into the text what I wanted it to say, and I just read it for what it said, it's got nothing to do, it's, it's not referring to demon possession. It could include demons, but what Jesus disarmed was the principalities and the, the authorities, the powers and the authorities, the governments. When Jesus died on the cross, he disarmed disarmed the Roman government. He just disarmed the Jewish nation. He conquered, actually, through that. Okay, so um, this text is talking about Jesus disarming the governments, the national powers, the Roman government, the Jewish Sanhedrin. Um, And and there's another problem. Uh, so, So this text doesn't refer to demon possession ending. And here's the proof of it, because there's another problem. If Jesus disarmed the demons when he died on the cross, then why were there still demon possession after the cross? We go to the book of Acts, it's saturated with demon possession. The, uh, there's a few people that, that were demon possessed even after Jesus died on the cross. I mean, remember the story of, of the seven sons of Sceva, Acts chapter 19, verse 11 to 20, when these guys went into this house with this demon possessed man and said, said to him, in the name of Jesus, we command you, you know, that Paul preaches, we command you to come out of this man. And the demon answered them and said, uh, who are you guys? I've heard of Paul. Uh, I know of Jesus, uh, but who are you? And then he gave him such a beating that they, they, they ran out of the house naked. Okay, so uh, clearly uh, demon possession didn't end with Jesus on the cross. Secondly, the second objection that he brought up was that biblical demon possession was actually psychiatric disorders. Um, the, the idea is this, that the first century people, they didn't know what to make of people with schizophrenia and bipolar disorder and manic depressive. These are terms that developed in our time. Uh, and so they didn't know what to say. So they said, well, that guy's possessed by the devil. Or if somebody gets epilepsy and gets a fit on the ground, then they say, well, uh, you know, that's a demon possessed person. Because they didn't understand how to describe these types of things. Uh, and some substandard and secular the- theology schools teach the idea, this idea, that the people in the first century were so primitive in their understanding of medical conditions or psychiatric conditions that they, that they didn't understand mental illness. And so they labeled these sick people as demon possessed. But there are a few problems with this idea. If this ever comes up, you, you know how to answer it. First century people were not as uneducated as some think. This view is actually an insult to the people of the day. Uh, Yes, in many earlier ancient places, people were swamped in pagan mythology. And they did credit crazy people with spiritual 
uh, influence. They, they, this mentality was there. It did exist. In the Persian Empire, for example, from 550 to 330 BC, that's 300 years before Jesus, by the way, all physical and mental uh, disorders were considered the work of the devil. Okay? Um, but this was in a totally different country, and it was long before Jesus. By the time of Jesus, things had changed. The Hebrews believed that demon possession was real, but they also knew that mental illness was real. The Hebrews were Hellenized. That means they were under the influence of, of, of the Greeks. Hippocrates was a Greek, and he was the father of medicine, and he lived 400 years before Jesus. And he started the diagnosis of psychological disorders. And he said that psychological uh, orders are biologically caused. Hippocrates classified mental disorders, including paranoia, epilepsy, mania, and melancholia. So mental illness was around already for 400 years before Jesus came, and people were treated for it. Okay? So we're insulting the people of the first century. We think that they were cavemen. They were not cavemen. 400 years before Jesus came, people already understood what mental orders were, disorders were. And to prove that to you, the second point is this. The biographers of Jesus' day clearly distinguished between demon possession and mental illness. Here is an example taken from the book of Matthew. Matthew chapter 4. And the fame of Jesus spread throughout all Syria. And the people brought to Jesus all the people who were sick. People that had various diseases and torments. And those who were demon possessed. And those who were lunatic. And that word is translated in some places as epileptic. People thought to be crazy. People having seizures. And those that had palsy. People who were paralyzed. And he healed them. Do you see the distinction here? He's saying people who were demon possessed. And he says people who had mental disorders. People who were sick. People who were paralyzed. Uh, Matthew differentiated between demon possession, lunacy, and physical disabilities. One thing that we also have to take note is that often demons caused physical and mental disorders. And so you couldn't really separate the two. Guys, I've got one more, one more point just to make. And, and then I'm going to take you into something exciting. So if you're thinking about clutching out, don't do it yet. Because we still have to deal with the question, um, do demons exist and possess today? We're going to talk about that in a moment. But I just want to give a third reason why uh, we cannot understand... Um, mental disorders um, being ascribed as demon possession in the first century because the Jews didn't um, they, they didn't understand mental disorder. Uh, if it's the case that mental illness was understood as demon possession, then many New Testament stories can't make sense. Um, an example is the story of Legion. I don't know if you've heard that story. Jesus casts out uh, 6,000 demons about in a man. Um, and he sends those demons into a herd of pigs, 2,000 pigs. They, they all run into the water and all the pigs drown. And when the people in town hear about this, they are concerned and probably furious. And they want Jesus to leave the town. Why? He just killed 2,000 pigs. How can one man tell a bunch of pigs to go into a dam and go drown themselves? Now, if this man, this man, who, if he had a mental illness... How in heaven's name did those 2,000 pigs drown? If he had schizophrenia, did his schizophrenia move into all the 2,000 pigs and cause them all to drown themselves? You cannot explain that story unless they were real demons. Okay, His mental illness didn't magically transfer into the pigs. 
You see, it doesn't make sense to say that first century demon possession was just mental illness. There's too many stories in the New Testament that then won't make sense. The big question for today. Do demons exist and possess today? I say, my personal opinion, based on the reasonable observance I've made in the study I've made. Yes. Yes, they do. Number one, why? Because scripture says so. If you believe in scripture, yes. If you don't believe in scripture, hang on, I'm going to give you another reason. If you do believe in the Bible, scripture says demons exist. Now, I don't like it. I feel uncomfortable with the idea that demons are around. I do believe that demons operate differently today, but I'll speak about that at the end. But one thing is for sure, a demon cannot possess you unless you open yourself up to it. And that I believe in. Why do I say so? Well, because we have free will, ladies and gentlemen. And God will not allow our free will to be violated by demons, Satan or even himself. This is very important. I think sometimes people think, well, if demons do exist then I, and, and they possess people, then I'm so scared I'm going to be possessed. No, you will not be possessed. You will only be possessed when you open yourself up to it. If you go live a horribly sinful life, you continually unite yourself with prostitution and drugs. You go into the deepest, darkest valleys of society. You mix with the wrong people. You get your Ouija board. You go do all kinds of other things. Yes, you're opening up yourself to demons. You can go talk to uh, people who deal with drug addicts. It's one of the best gateways to open yourself up to the demonic world. Uh, so a demon can only possess when you open yourself up to it. Um, you go play around in the territories of demons and you'll quickly open up yourself. And you will give over the power of your life to them. There's one thing that the Bible makes very clear about demons. They shudder at the name of Christ. So if you're a born again Christian, you don't have to fear demon possession. You don't have to fear demons at all. They fear you. Okay. So my first reason why I believe demons exist is because scripture says so. If I believe God exists, then I believe um, in scripture. And if I believe scripture speaks the truth, then I can believe the scripture when it says the demons exist. So Here's something for the atheists to think about. Something for the naturalists to think about and the materialists to think about. Why do demons exist today? Why do I believe that? Well, because some psychiatrists say so. Alright? Psychiatrists are specialized doctors who diagnose psychopathology, in other words, mental illness. Uh, they've been trained professionally to diagnose things like schizophrenia, manic depression, bipolar... Although it is rare, some of these doctors have had patients that they could not diagnose at all with a known mental illness because they demonstrated signs of something different. Okay, now I read up on the thoughts of one of these psychiatrists. His name is uh, Richard Gallagher. And I'll challenge you to go read up on what he says. The two articles I read about him, and this isn't a guy in the backyard somewhere who, who claims to be a psychiatrist, but he isn't actually. Okay. I read up about this guy uh, in the Washington Post and the uh, another a website, for example, on Mail Online, and he, some very interesting things he said. He published a book last year called Demon Foes, My 25 Years as a Psychiatrist Investigating Possessions, Diabolic Attacks, and the Paranormal. The titles of the articles I read was, As a Psychiatrist, I Diagnose Mental Illness, Also, I Help Spot Demonic Possession. In another article, the exorcist assistant, um, the heading is this. 
Columbia University psychiatrist and avowed man of science witnessed hundreds of demonic possessions, including a satanic high priestess who put a hex on his cats and a 90-pound woman throw, uh, through a Lutheran priest across the room. Uh, I don't know about you. It sounds interesting, right? And so I will give you a short summary. This guy is a doctor, ladies and gentlemen. He studied at Yale and Princeton. You know university in the States? This is, this is big stuff. He is on the board of the Columbia, uh, Columbia University. He believes in science. This is a guy who, who believes in naturalism, but that's not his worldview. So one day, a few Catholic priests brought to him a lady. They wanted him to diagnose her. She claimed to be a satanic high priestess. She called herself a witch and dressed like one. And he was obviously skeptical, especially as a scientist and a doctor. But he developed a problem. Her behavior exceeded what he could explain with his training. She could tell people's weaknesses, such as undue pride. She knew how individuals she'd never known had died, including the doctor's mother and her fatal case of ovarian cancer. He was later told by six people who were there during her exorcism that she spoke in different languages, including Latin. And I'm going to make comments on that in a moment. And so the doctor concluded that her case was not psychosis, but paranormal ability. And that is how his journey started. He's not an exorcist. He simply, he simply diagnoses people. If the patient demonstrates certain characteristics that is not medically and scientifically valid, he concludes that it is demon possession and then refers to those, peop those, those people then to exorcists. Now, I'm still skeptical. Maybe you are too. Anyways, you might be thinking about this question. But what is the difference between mental illness and demon possession? And I think that's a good question. This is what Richard says. This is how he figures out um, how, why somebody is demon-possessed and when somebody is, is, is not demon-possessed, but it's a mental illness. And this is some of the things he lists. He says, levitations. Okay? And go read up on it. He says, loads of people, loads of people have seen levitations by, by people. Now, that is not natural. That is outside of the natural laws. Okay? This debunks naturalism, if it's true. Secondly, Speaking in foreign languages like Latin. Now, Latin is a dead language. Yes, I think a lot of the people in the Vatican can still speak Latin. Um, but it, it died out 1,400 years ago. So if some, somebody can speak Latin while they're in a trance, then the question is, Yo, where did they get that? It has, it's supernatural. Because whoever is speaking is 1,400 years old. That can only be demonic activity. How do you explain that? Okay. Making movements and possessing strength beyond normal human nature. If a lady can throw around five men, six men, it's naturally impossible. The only alternative is supernatural ability. Okay. Another thing is hidden knowledge. When you speak to somebody that you that's possibly demon possessed, or you speak to somebody and that person has got knowledge that that person cannot know, unless that person is some supernatural. Uh, person or has got some supernatural entity attached to her, to her or him, uh, th then you know this must be demonic. And I hope that you, 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 you understand the idea. So this is what this doctor then started to discover. He started to actually meet people who, who, could, who could do things and say things. And th that's supernatural. And the only thing that he could conclude is that this is demonic possession. Now, uh, I've never come across these things. I've never seen somebody levitate. I've never seen somebody speak in Latin. 
um, or people making funny movements. I have come across people who have got tremendous, above normal, natural strength. Um, but does that mean it doesn't exist? Just because I haven't come across people who can levitate doesn't mean that it doesn't exist. Apparently, the USA has more than 50 stable exorcists. So 50 people who are actually rational people you can go talk to, and that's what they do. They do exorcisms. Apparently, the demand is rising. More people are claiming to to experience demon possession. And some of these guys, lot of, lots of the peop these people have been treated for mental illnesses. And it doesn't work. It doesn't do anything. They've had medication. It doesn't work. It doesn't change anything. Some of these guys receive about 20 calls per week of people who claim to be demon possessed. Or claim to know somebody who is demon possessed. Obviously, this doctor has been criticized. But he says, you know, what am I supposed to do with the evidence? How do I make sense of someone suddenly speaking in Latin? If I look at the evidence, I have to follow it where it leads, and it leads to the paranormal, not to the DSM. The DSM is the Diagnostic Statistics Manual. It's the, it's the, the Bible of psychiatry. That's where they go when they try to figure out uh, if a person has a mental illness. So, so the doctor is saying, where, what do I do if this person is demonstrating things that is not even in the DSM? And that is definitely supernatural. I can only conclude that this is demonic and so often skeptics they say well we want a video recording of this exorcism or about these people levitating and uh, the doctor then points out he notes the problem that uh, patient confidentiality just like in counsel counseling uh, the confidentiality of patients are important that person might be demon possessed but that is still a person okay and what about their privacy how would you feel if, if you know if a video of you spreads all over the world yeah and and he also notes that many times uh, if, if, if demons are intelligent and they are actually quite sharp, they wouldn't want things to be recorded and they are quite crafty. Um, you know, I don't know how you feel about that. But we also have to keep in mind that anthropologists agree that most cultures have recorded the belief in spirits. Uh, there seems to be consistent depictions by these cultures which make demon possession very, very credible. Um Doctors who refuse the possibility of demon possession might be really hurting people because their therapy and medication will never change those people. Um, and that's something for the doctor to think about. Anyways, I leave all the information for you to think about and top on and form your opinion on. Please remember to keep the evidence in mind. But I think it's right to conclude with the last question that is even more important. How do demons operate today? That is very, very important. Just to go back quickly, um, I do believe in demons because the scriptures say so. And if you believe in the scriptures, then you should be believing in demon possession. Um, I do believe that this doctor is very possibly talking the truth. He's got nothing to gain um, by lying about all of his experiences. And because I've also um, met here and there people that, that I also thought, geez, that I don't think that's a... That's a mental disorder, and I also studied psychiatry. Um, that makes me believe that this is very possible. It is very possible that demons do do possess people today, and they definitely exist. So let's go to the last question to conclude with. How do demons operate today? Um, I don't think that the the evil spirits in in um, the spiritual realm is really that much interested in attacking people and possessing them physically. I think they operate in three in three ways, in my opinion. First of all, they do temptation. They perform temptation. Um, like I've said before, Satan has probably never been in your presence. 
Um, he can only be at one place at a time, so he's probably never even been around you, but he's got a hundred demons watching you every day. They cannot overpower you, and they cannot force you to do anything. They cannot possess you unless you open yourself up to them. Um, you know, but if you've got if you have got a weakness for KFC, they know that. And they will make sure that they put KFC in front of you. Um, obviously, that's a silly example. But if your thing is money, or your thing is women, or your thing is sex and pornography, or men, whatever your case may be, you will, they will put that in front of you. Their whole goal, day and night, is to get you to sin against God. Because they know you sin against God, you're doomed, you're stuffed. And He will destroy you. So if they can't destroy you, they'll get God to destroy you. And they know that God will not allow them to violate your free will. So that's the one thing they do every day all around us. The second thing that they do is that they influence governments. You've heard of the Illuminati and the Freemasons, and I'm not a, believe you me, I'm not a conspiracy theorist, but these things do actually exist. Um, I, and uh, that's just an example. The Illuminati, Freemasons, that, that I mean, that's identifiable things. Um, I think demons are much more clever than that. Um, uh, they are definitely at work in governments. Uh, they've been at work in our South African governments. Uh, go Google the Hudewip Masonic Lodge to get a glimpse of South African governmental influence. They are definitely involved with policy making. They are definitely involved with the all the other kinds of um, evil things going in, on in our world today. And that brings us to the third point. They shape paradigms. Uh, they are operating far more complex than we think. I would almost say that the demons that possess people are the hillbillies of the demon realm. Okay, they like the you know they're just the 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 junky, uh, unintelligent demons. They're good for nothing else except to go possess people who open themselves up to them. Roman or rather, demons uh, are hard at work in places like Hollywood, uh, politics, to shape the dominant ideas of society. I um, I won't hesitate for one minute to say that many aspects of feminism, not all of it, many aspects of feminism is created, was created, is created, is sustained and undergirded by demonic activity. The Black Lives Matter movement has been openly um, proven to be um, initiated by, um, and this might be a shock for you, by, by demonic activity. The, the ladies that started that movement are from African descent and they do ancestor worship, definitely. Um, demonic activity. Go check it out for yourself. LGBTQ, the LGBTQ movement, transgenderism, and all of those wonderful things where five-year-olds can decide what gender they are. The gender confusion that's going around, that is definitely, that is undergirded and birthed by demonic activity. Um, how do I know, know that? Well, it contradicts scripture and it contradicts God's creation order. It contradicts nature itself. It contradicts what God says. So it is simple to know where demons operate. Anything that directly opposes what God has initiated in the demon realm, that is, um, that is from the demon realm. Anything that God has said, that God has initiated, that God has created, um, and that is opposed, comes from the demon realm. All we can do is stick to what Jesus said. And when Jesus faced Satan, he said, it is written. When we stick to what is written, we'll avoid demon activity, we'll avoid the demon realm, and we don't have to be scared of the demon realm at all. And uh, Ephesians is a wonderful book. In chapter 6 of that book, it tells us exactly how we defeat the demon realm. I'm going to read it to you quickly. 
uh, finally be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power, put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. That is the demonic realm. Therefore put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you've done everything, to stand. You know, a lot of people out there, a lot of Christian churches would say, yeah, you take on demons by all kinds of exorcisms and fights and, I don't know, special words and all kinds of things. No, this is how you do it. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist. You've got to know the truth. And the only way you know the truth is through Scripture. You've got to stick with the truth and the demons will stay away. With the breastplate of righteousness in place. In other words, do what is right. Know the truth. Do what is right. Always do what is right and you'll stay away from the demons. Okay? And with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In other words, keep your feet ready. Keep on spreading the aroma of Christ. Tell people about Jesus. Make disciples. That's the best way to keep demons away. Because while you're doing that, the demons can't touch you. Oh, they'll tempt you, but they won't touch you. Verse 16, in addition to all of this, take up the shield of faith. You've got to strengthen your faith. Don't allow naturalism and materialism to influence you to the extent that you don't believe anymore. And faith comes from hearing the word. So you've got to stick to getting into the word, getting into assemblies where the word of God is preached, getting to small groups, getting to a place where, you know, we've got the internet, continually listen to the word of God, with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Verse 17, take the helmet of salvation. Okay, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. You see, this whole text here is saturated with the Word of God. How do you defeat evil? With the Word of God. And then verse 18, And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep praying for all the saints. Keep your eyes open. Keep your eyes closed. Both. Keep your eyes closed to pray. Keep your eyes open to see where the devil is coming. That's a... That's a very simple spiritual methodology of opposing evil spiritual forces. And I'd say the key thing through it all is to keep your head in the word. Make your mind saturated with the word. If the word is in you, demons and their paradigms will have no place in your life. They will flee from you and you will see them coming a mile away. Guys, have a fantastic week. You got any questions about this? Any disagreements about what I've said? 100% please send me a message uh, let me know what you think you got any other additional questions don't hesitate to let me know love you guys have a fantastic week cheers bye